Got the club going up on a Tuesday. Got your girl in the cut and she choosing. Club going up. All right, back here on the Sports Grind, Calvin Casey, Jonas Clark, producing, spinning the one and twos. Today's show is being presented by Dos Equis. Get a Dose, and we are broadcasting here from the Maestro de Bell Tequila Studios, 877-37-GRIND. All right, so keeping it moving. All right, so that's my thoughts. We'll see where the Jets go from here. Um, you know, I just feel like, you know, they went all in with Aaron Rodgers, and we all know it blew up in their face on the third play of opening Monday Night Football, and it's hard to recover from that, man, and I think they've done the best they could, but I'm just saying, like, the whole overboard about how bad Zach Wilson is, the, the same intensity needs to put for the guy who's calling the plays that shouldn't even have that job. Shouldn't even have that job. We're just talking about off of merit and off of performance and resume. What do you got? Oh, I thought you were going to say something, but anyway... That's my thoughts. But moving on, as we stick a little bit to the NFL theme, um, I brought up to him about a segment ago, yeah, talking about when we're talking about the Spurs and these 40-point beatdowns, Bill Belichick got asked about his job security. Is Is he coaching for his job in Germany when the New England Patriots play the Indianapolis Colts this coming up Sunday at 8.30 Central Standard Time? 730 Mountain. Um, again, this guy just won a Super Bowl not too long ago. Granted, it was with Tom. People are going to go to the whole what's his record without Tom and all that garbage. Um, but he's getting asked those questions in New England. Now, of course, I said it yesterday that there was a video that went viral that had Robert Kraft up there, and I think it was his son that just threw his hands up whenever somebody gets red lips as bad as good as I do and just said, hey, we're not good enough. Um, he's not getting fired in Germany after Germany. And I don't think he's going to get fired before the end of the season. If Robert Kraft, a guy that basically has made Robert Kraft a lot of money and that has brought him six titles – if Robert Kraft fires Bill Belichick before week 17, you will know at that point that it's their their relationship, for one, deteriorated over the last few years. And I would say without a doubt, this would be a firing for embarrassment. Because at that point, you're trying to embarrass him. And to me, it would go to, and keep in mind, Robert Kraft grew up sitting in the old New England stadium as a fan before he even purchased the team. So with the history of New England knowing where the Patriots were prior to Bill getting there, I know Bill Parcells, his mentor, got them close, lost to Brett Favre and Green Bay in the Super Bowl in New Orleans. But if he fires, there's one thing firing Josh McDaniels at the midway point. There's one thing firing Nathaniel Hackett not even making it a calendar year. It's one thing firing a six-time Super Bowl winning coach as a head coach. If Robert Kraft does this before week 17, 
you will know that their relationship has deteriorated. And I will personally, in my opinion, feel like this is the one that we coming by and I'm going to come by and punch you, sucker punch you that I didn't get two years ago when you forced my son out of here, a.k.a. Tommy. Because other than that, no. Now, at the end of the season, because I think at any time it needs to be, we mutually parted ways. But the million-dollar question about Bill Belichick is going to be, is he fired or is Robert Kraft just saying, look, you can stay, but you got to hire help. You got to get a general manager. You no longer have fully control of the roster. And either way it goes, Bill's not taking that. Bill's going to probably, I, I'm telling you, Bill's probably going to chunk up the deuces. The only thing, the only thing that would change that and would make me wrong is that they end, if they continue on this path, and they end up basically right there after the Chicago Bears, which most likely are going to have the one and two pick overall. If the New England Patriots, let's say, landed three and Bill knows, OK, well, you know, I'm going to get my guy this time of one of these guys and get it right because it's probably not Mac Jones. That's the only way I can see him conceding a little bit of control. But even with that, I don't see it happening. And I also don't see and think, even though you look at his age, that he's ready to walk away from the game because uh, he wants Don Shula's record. And speaking of Don, I mean, look, you know, like I heard, I forgot who I heard this morning talk about it, but it's true. Um, you know, this has happened to the greats. Chuck Knoll. I mean, you can count on damn near three, four fingers how many coaches Pittsburgh and had since Rooney's owned it. Uh Chuck Noll, it came to a time. He had to go. Got to get this guy, young guy, Bill Carroll with the chin. He got to go. Speaking of Don Shula, the guy rest his soul, the guy that's chasing him, happened to Don. Okay? It happens. You know? Hell, eventually it might happen down here in our own backyard, different sport. We don't know. But my point is, I don't also see him ready to hang it up because he wants that Shula record. What do you got? Even if he gets his his quarterback, though, there's still the fact that there's nothing in the cupboards over there, especially on the offensive side of the ball, to where that quarterback is coming into playing with. There's not a change in philosophy that's really going to sell you on the fact that this offense is going to be there. When Tom Brady was drafted in the seventh round, or sixth or seventh, right? Um, when he was drafted at the back end of the draft, you had Bledsoe and you had a roster that was already knocking on the door. Totally different scenario than what Mac Jones walked into, because Tommy was doing, uh, you know, Tom Brady was doing stuff with the, with again, not a lot in the cupboards. And he had his boy Gronk. Even Gronk was gone by the time that Mac mm-hmm. Jones comes around. So there was nothing there for him. They're, they haven't put anything there around him in the time since. And I can't be convinced that Bill's going to... If he landed Caleb Williams, I don't think that he's going to... I don't trust him 
Well, that goes to go get to either the to, to have an offensive coordinator that's going to make it work, or to go draft the pieces and acquire the pieces well, to make to, to put together a successful. Well, offense. well, that's what it comes. That's the same thing I'm saying though. That's what it comes down to the decision of what Robert Kraft's probably going to relay to him. That's where the control part comes back in. If you because because I don't think this has nothing to do with Bill Belichick coaching. They're struggling because Bill Belichick, the GM. He hasn't been. He hasn't made great decisions over the last few years. Kind of like the other so, guy he's got. He has up there with him, Bill O'Brien. Um, Bill O'Brien. I mean, look. Um, no, because no one's comparing Bill O'Brien to Bill Belichick. I mean, Bill Brian. I mean, you're talking about like when you build something. There's a standard and the expectations that fans, owners, and media have of you. Uh, yes, Bill O'Brien, through his last couple years of the Texans, when you talk about what he didn't get for DeAndre Hopkins, you know, the tonsil trade, yeah, he got killed for that. Bill Belichick has built something, and he built a dynasty. And then that dynasty eventually had to fall and crumble down, and he hasn't been able to prove it yet in the last three years or so, four years, that he can, it, there's anything remotely that he can build it again twice. So when it comes down to it's not so far when you say, well, it doesn't matter because if they get a quarterback, well, I don't believe that that's not going to change just because they grab a cut. That's the main start, though. So so Robert Kraft would have to make a decision. Do I trust him to be able to do this again if he's able to draft the quarterback? Because regardless, you're right, like Bill Belichick, whether it was Robert Kraft, because I think there's something more to that decision that we'll never know. But Bill Belichick did screw Mac Jones last year in his in coming in year without having an offensive coordinator. But the reality of it is, and we can kill two birds with one stone because this was on the docket as well when we look at the Giants. I believe rightfully so, and I believe Daniel Jones has played his last game as a Giant. Because the one thing I will say is that these talking heads, these experts – Okay, the Mel Kuypers, the Todd McShays, NFL, all these guys that get paid money to scout talent and quarterbacks. I get paid to talk about and evaluate and give my opinion. These guys actually get paid seven figures to evaluate talent. The teams that are trending to be in the situation with Chicago or trying to trade with Chicago and that's going to be sitting there right there sometime between three and five, possibly, if the second half of the season trajects that way. There's none of these current quarterbacks that can push away none of these dude, these top four dudes in this draft. And that's Mac Jones included. And, and you know what? Mac Jones probably didn't get, you know – the New England had a way, and like I've said this before, the one thing, no, I'm not going to switch off a 60-40 Tom and Bill, regardless if he's sitting two or he's lost two, this is going to be three years in a row. What I've also said, though, the, what has been glaring, what is facts, is that Tom, not having Tom Brady has allowed him, having Tom Brady has allowed him to sit there and miss on some of these picks or go grab these has-beens as wide receivers or mix match here and there and still go in that division and do whatever. When you take time away from that, that's when things start getting exposed or whatever. So with that said, you know, Mac Jones probably had a hard time being successful regardless because of the lack of talent around him. That's kind of what you're alluding to. And also the fact of stunning one of his growths when you're not going to even give him a competent offensive coordinator. But with all that said, 
Mac Jones and in the situation that he's in would not probably be rated higher than any of these quarterbacks in the top three or four coming out. And that's the reason why I feel the Giants are in that situation too. They got a friendly extension with Daniel Jones. It's not a big guaranteed money type of thing. And what's ironic with that is that the Giants might find themselves in the same similar situation. Well, I should say this, them too, but Daniel Jones is going to find himself in the same similar situation that the guy that he replaced. But the reality is he don't have the resume and the hardware of the guy he replaced. I know we get caught up in the Manning cast and Eli and Peyton, they doing their thing, but I don't know if anybody remembers how bad it got for the Giants the last two years of Eli Manning and what that looked like. And when they drafted Daniel Jones out of Duke and he was sitting there waiting, it was like, hey, and the Merrill family's like, hey, that's royalty. How do we handle this? I mean, Eli, he got two rings, let alone his two rings against Tom. You know, he went 2-0 and against him. What's ironic, though, like that old saying goes, the same thing to make you laugh can make you cry. And Daniel Jones is going to be in that same situation. He's going to be on that roster while they draft another quarterback if they keep heading the way they're heading right now, if they finish in that top four. And they will let him heal from this ACL surgery. He will come back, but he will be competing or he will be back up until they figure out what they want to do with the quarterback that they draft. That's why this is so intriguing to me, because all the teams that are sitting there, hell, you can even put Chicago in this conversation. I mean, with Justin Fields. Now, the difference is they're going to get better value for Justin Fields what you can get for Daniel Jones, sorry ass. But the reality of Chicago, Minnesota, but they're still trying to fight. And we're going to see what Joshua Dobbs is going to do, but they're starting to fight. Minnesota, Chicago, the Giants. This is going to be intriguing because as, as when the season gets done and we crown a Super Bowl champion in Vegas, let the hype train you know begin with this quarterback class and all these guys that are GMs, presidents, all these dudes are going to sit here and they're going to be hearing the same information and they're going to be out scouting because their job's on the line and they're going to get brainwashed. They're going to get brainwashed. And when you're in that, you lay in that top four or five, where do you need it? You're going to need a quarterback. Atlanta. Don't let me start on them. Arthur Smith, look, I gave them a lot of credit last week. I mean, this wasn't even on the docket because I'm going to get to this uh, Denver situation because we've got some news that broke today at Denver, and I think this is the big microcosm of what I'm trying to show everybody. I'll get to that here in a minute. Atlanta. I can't remember a team that spent two top five or ten picks on skill position players, a tight end that could play like a wide receiver and a running back out of the University of Texas. I've never seen, and they don't use them. There was a play in that Atlanta game in the fourth quarter, and Atlanta was had, they went with Heineke. Atlanta's another team that's going to be looking at a quarterback too. Ritter ain't no, Ritter can't push off these dudes that's basically if Atlanta finishes in the top five or four. But the, regardless of my point is, there was a position, a time in that game where they went in the red zone and B. John Robinson wasn't even on the field. I don't get it with Arthur Smith and what they're doing. And I love Arthur Blank. I mean, he's one of my favorite owners. But Arthur Smith, but see, when your daddy's CEO and the founder of FedEx, 
people don't know that. Sometimes you can sit there and say, what? Yeah. So um, that's my that that's kind of that that's kind of I was just hedge guys like I got I don't understand Atlanta they don't use any of these guys they don't so we'll see how it plays out but the, but regardless I just feel that after we crown a champion man the hype train is going to get going but bringing it back full circle Bill Belichick in my opinion is not coaching for his job against the Colts in Germany. I don't think that he gets fired. And if he gets fired before week 17, you know that this was personal with Robert. 877-37-GRIND. All right, keeping it moving, sticking with the football theme. Uh, you know, Denver's coming off of a bye week. They had a bye week last week. Um, they've got a Monday night matchup with the Buffalo Bills, the struggling Buffalo Bills. And Sean had to meet with the media yesterday um, there was an interesting observation that he made about the team, kind of mixed in with the Russ. And I want to also talk about the announcement that the Pinner Group and the ownership made as well today for the Denver Broncos. And we've got other things to get to. We'll circle back to the NBA. We'll try to get to that college football playoff top 25, top four, see what I got coming out with the new committee is going to release theirs this evening. But you listen to the Sports Grind. Today's show is being presented by Dos Equis. Get a Dose. We are broadcasting here from the Maestro de Bell Tequila Studios. We'll be back. Texas summers can get hot, but now they're blazing with the new Zing Zang Blazing Bloody Mary Mix. The latest addition to the Zing Zang lineup brings the same great, bold, and delicious taste that you already know, only much hotter. Shake things up with Zing Zang Blazing Bloody Mary Mix, made with premium ingredients and crafted for a bold and savory taste, whether with your favorite vodka or with the pre-mixed ready-to-drink cans. Zing Zang, America's favorite Bloody Mary and an official sponsor of the sports crime. Please Zing Zang responsibly. For more than a century, the Pendleton Roundup has defined what it means to be a cowboy. It also gave life to something equally renowned, Pendleton Whiskey, capturing that unique spirit in every bottle and honoring the enduring legacy of the American West. Pendleton Whiskey is made with the finest northern grains and cut with Mount Hood Glacier water, a whiskey that celebrates the cowboy in all of us. That's Pendleton Whiskey. That's true Western tradition. Pendleton is the official whiskey of the PBR Tour. Pendleton Distillers, Lawrenceburg, Indiana. Please drink responsibly. Pendleton Whiskey, official sponsor of the sports grind are you moving around the greater san antonio area choose the storage experts tiger moving and storage whether you're moving an office or the whole family tiger moving and storage offers container drop-off and delivery with efficient prompt and cost-effective service to learn more and to secure your portable storage container today go to choose tiger.com tiger moving and storage official sponsor of the sports grind All right, back here on the Sports Grind, Calvin Casey, Jonas Clark producing, spinning the one and twos. Today's show is being presented by Dos Equis. Get a dose. We are broadcasting here from the Maestro de Bell Tequila Studios. And this next segment is going to be sponsored by Pinland Whiskey. Pinland Whiskey is an oak barrel aged whiskey distilled in Canada using the finest ingredients before bonding glacier-fed spring waters added from Mount Hood, Oregon's highest peak. Pinland Whiskey delivers an uncommonly smooth taste and a rich, complex flavor. Pinland Whiskey is the official spirit of the Pro Rodeo Cowboys Association and an official whiskey of the Professional Bull Riding Tour. 
tour, the PBR Velocity Tour. And it's an official whiskey and sponsor of the Sports Grind. 87737Grind. All right, so we've got uh, some more uh, Facebook Live and Facebook messages coming in before I get to uh, the Bronco news. I know Casey Robb uh, just messaged me, and he said, hey, I can see Bill Belichick take that Giants job if he's fired in Day Bowl 2 because that's his dream job. And I told Casey Robb, I agree, because I've always said for years that that is his dream job. Now, I personally don't think the Giants are going to – fire Brian Dayball even though stranger things are happening in the NFL now um and the patience is running thin so I'm not going to sit there and say no way but I doubt it that he gets fired I believe next year could possibly be the hot seat because the only reason why I say that is because the fact that they did overachieve last year and make the playoffs now they've done a moon, Michael Jackson moonwalk uh, but the reality is I doubt it um, that they would fire him in, after year two. But in year three, they could be. But the bottom line of Casey Ross' message, I agree, that Bill has always been infatuated and obsessed with that Giants gig. I mean, he won a Super Bowl with him as a coordinator, or two Super Bowls with him as a coordinator. Um, so, yeah. Um, also, let's see, Shelby's checking in on Facebook Live. Cal, what's the chances Andy Reid, which has 276 wins at 65-year-old, surpasses Bill Belichick, 331, with 71 years old, to get to the top spot on coaches' wins? Uh, Shelby, I think, you know, I've heard that topic. That's a good post. Um, uh, that's a very good question because I've heard that kind of brought up in the last year especially. Um, I think it's very possible. I mean, it all comes down to health. Okay, with these coaches, I, I think people look at, you know, the three hours on Sunday or Thursday and Monday. And from the average fan, uh, people look at like, OK, but you got to take in account to where you are literally if you want to be successful because you're worried about trying to outwork the next guy, you're literally working about 12 to 15 hour days. And not only that, you're not having as much travel as, say, you know, if you're an NBA coach uh, or a baseball manager. But yet and still, there's some travel at least eight times out of the year. Now you got to go to London or Germany. No telling where they're going to come up Nitwick next, you know. Um, that takes a lot of toll, man. And, and, and when you get older, it gets harder, just like regular people in life. When you get older... Things get harder. I'm learning that the hard way with a lot of things, you know. Um, but the reality is, Shelby, uh, yes. I mean, and I always go back to this with Andy Reid, you know, and with Kansas City. It's, you know, the talk is about Patrick Mahomes and, you know, him going through his prime, which he's just entering his prime. And, you know, Patrick, this Patrick, the one that they feel like the movie in Juice, Tupac, I'm the one you need to be worried about, partner. Chiefs Kingdom need to be worried about that Andy Reid. How much juice he, how much does the Kool-Aid man still got in the tank? Because you take Andy Reid away from that team, and especially the team that we're looking at right now, that the challenges they have. Can you imagine Kansas City going through this season with no Andy Reid, with another coach, with a banged up, not all the way 100% focused, Travis Kelsey, and with a bunch of receivers that are just receivers? Can you imagine? Um, I can. They probably have about, I don't know, two more losses in the loss column than they do right now. 
So I think if Andy stays healthy and if Patrick Mahomes stay healthy, yeah, he can pass him up on the all time or, you know, pass him up or time. I mean, he'd have to go some more years, but yeah, that's, that's, um, you know, pretty obvious. Cause I think really Andy Reed, unless he has some health problems and God forbid he doesn't, I mean, this is a man that has had a son commit suicide, has had another son basically kill somebody in a DUI or driving accidents, done some time. Andy Reed's family has gone through it in his professional career. So to me, what it comes down to Andy is the fact that I believe if he's been through all that and he can stay healthy, he's going to ride this Pat thing out. He's going to ride it out. Only difference is it's going to get a little bit hard in that division. That's the reality. Got another adult in the room. But other than that, Shelby, I think, yes, he can. I, I do. And I don't know if it's media driven because a lot of people feel that Bill and I've bought into it and I believe that. But Bill hasn't really given any indication really on how important that wins all time wins is. Um, but I do believe it's being competitive. Why not? Would you want to go for it? Coach Pop wasn't leaving the game before he could pass up Nelly. He wasn't. You know. Even though he never talked about it, he, you know, he shies away from compliments. With Pop's ego, he wanted that. He wanted it. And I don't blame him. I mean, everybody's, I mean, somebody's got a little, everybody got a little ego in them that you want your flowers. If you got an opportunity to go in the history books, why not? Why not? What do you got? Not to mention that while you're a Hall of Famer, uh, player, you know, Hall of Fame player that you coached, might have been responsible for helping you with a lot of those wins. Uh, it does mean it has to mean something too to have gotten the rest of the way without them. You know, uh, pop to get the rest of the way maybe. I, no, I don't think the pop necessarily took it that way, but the Belichick and Brady relationship, sure. I think that you know Brady went off and, and won a Super Bowl without him and showed that hey, it wasn't all Bill. You know, I think that Bill w- would want to get those wins to say, look. Did Tom, did Tom help me get a lot of these? Yeah, a lot of them, a lot of these dubs. But but I but I I got the rest of the way without him. I mean, I see a little bit to that, only to the fact of it is there's the competitive side in that. I mean, you know, like I've always said, yeah, Tom got one without him. Um, ain't like he did it with the Panthers. I mean, he walked into a loaded situation with Tampa Bay. I, and I go back to tell everybody: Do people realize what it was like the last year of Tom Brady's? career at New England. He was dealing with some of the same stuff Mac Jones tried to do it. Uh Vrabel sent them home. They sent him home. They sent him home. So to me, I just feel like it's one of those situations to where um there is I see a little bit to what you're saying. Uh but I'm just one of those that subscribe to where, you know, and I don't know if it's a generational thing or whatever. Bill doesn't have anything else to prove to me. I I'm not one to think that everything he's accessible, despite what the record is, there's circumstances to everything, despite everything is everything that he's done successful wise is based off of Tom Brady. Eight seven seven three seven grind. All right, keeping it moving. Um you know, Denver Broncos was on a bye week. Um, they were they're set to go to Buffalo on Monday night. Sean does his normal media telephone uh, conference calls with the media on Monday. Yesterday was no different, and he had po- he had pointed out that he felt uh, that this particular uh, team. Uh, speaking of the Denver Broncos, they were a lot better team in Week Two. Th- I mean, excuse, better now than they are Week Two. Um, also, he alluded to when asked about Russ's development and their progress 
on how he felt about that. And he went on to say, hey, there's a lot of things that he's doing right. And, you know, he pointed out, which he goes, he's on his third offense, different style of offense, and with four years. I mean, he pointed that out. Um, and he talked about the fact of, like, hey, he used the word manage, okay? You know, he talked about the throw that he made to Cortland. He talked about that. But he did say, like, he's doing a very good job, you know, managing the game. Now, of course, people hear manager, and, you know, that's the sinful word when you talk about quarterbacks. I guess that's the ultimate disrespect when you call a quarterback, especially somebody with Russ's resume, as a game manager. Um, But I don't know if I see it that way. You know, I see it to the fact that, you know, Sean's the type of guy, because I keep going back to where it's like this really comes down to Russ. And, and And I don't feel like what I've seen even up to this point, even though the team has played better, he thinks that they're better than they were in week two. I don't see, you know, still what I'm custom of seeing from a Sean Payton, quote unquote, offensive type of scheme. Even what I saw with Taysom Hill, what I saw with Jameis Winston, and what I saw for Teddy Bridgewater, I still don't see a situation to where I see that type of squad in that type of offense being ran with Denver. But with that said, I think, and I posed this question the other day, what was going to be the situation in regards to how patient was Russ going to be able to stomach? Because I think what you're looking at is that sometimes it takes coaches, especially if you spend a certain long amount of time at one particular franchise it takes sometimes coaches to really understand and learn what their players do and what they don't do I know he credited a lot people asked him about the Vance Joseph turnaround and all that a lot of it he just credited like hey we're stopping the run and he'll go ahead and basically bring it down to what that equates to as a trickle down effect now the defense is playing better because they've been able to control the run they sit at three and five they're going to buffalo um you know buffalo's in a situation where i feel like this is a must win game for buffalo i said last week i mean excuse me yesterday that these games coming up starting with the one last night these afc games are pretty much all going to be playoff implication games whether they come down to tiebreakers whether they come down to the decision of who's a division winner who's going to be a wild card so we're going to see what this team looks like going forward when he talked about he said, hey we've got two national televised games back to back pronto he goes these are very important games for our particular team so let's see how they respond because they did stay pat where they didn't really move anybody except the two guys the one mile content and randy gregory and then the other one, and, and you know, in Clark. So we'll see how that goes. Um, Denver made an announcement today as an organization uh, that I wanted to go ahead and touch on. They've announced that they are creating a new facility, headquarters facility, um, in regards at the Denver Broncos headquarters down there at Doe Valley. Greg Penner released a statement and he says, our vision is to create a new home for the Denver Broncos that reflects our values of winning teamwork with a modern Colorado design. While we considered several options to modify our current facility, we decided to do this right way by building a new player centered headquarters with an efficient layout and the latest amenities. Having both our football and business operations on the same campus will foster a championship environment in pursuit of our goals on and off the field. And to note that facility is being privately funded. What I talk about ownership. Got to have good owners and people that are really committed to winning. 
Denver's headquarters that they've been under, that facility down there ain't that old. I mean, it ain't just brand new. I mean, of course, you had the star. Jerry's put the star. You had that. But this is a guy that basically is coming in. This is an ownership group that has seen really no winning since they've owned the team. They've only owned their team. It's barely not even been a calendar year since they officially have over the team, a little bit over a calendar year that they've officially owned the team. This is the same ownership group that dropped 400 k on Saad on a meaningless game week 17 coming off an embarrassment on Christmas. And this is an owner that basically I know this is king to you, Jonas, because you always want ownerships. You, you, you hate owners that go and beg public money for tax money and tax purpose for stadiums. Probably funded. The goal, this is, and the reason why I'm bringing this up is because what they haven't had for six years. And I'm bringing this up is because it's the prime example of what I always say, that if you don't have the right ownership that is more worried about staying in the black instead of the red than winning, I don't care who the quarterback is. I don't care who the point guard is, who's the forward, okay, who's the pitching staff, who's the home run king. Can't win in 2023. You might be able to get with it back in the day. There's too much money at stake. There's too much technology. There's too many owners and everybody else trying to get an edge. This is an owner that is trying to get an edge, something that they probably don't really need. But this is an owner that's trying to get an edge over his peers in regards to giving his players and his coaches the best opportunity to be successful. And it should be encouraging as a Denver fan. I know this year, it's not what most people have thought. I mean, if you basically bleed blue and orange, the start of the season, the way it's gone, it's been a lot of rough times for six years. But trust me, because if I, I've been on the other end where I've looked at this franchise and say, you know what, there, there, it's a lost soul right now. There's, there's, there, there's too many Indians and not enough Chiefs. Well, they've got their chief. And they've got their chief captain. And that right there, that's what a true fan of any team, of any professional level, that's all you want from an ownership. Somebody that, because lip service is lip service. Put your money behind it. Put your effort behind it. Pops to the Pentagrew. I'm going to take the same energy that you. I, I feel like you, you use elsewhere. And I'm going to say, it sounds nice. I think that rather than privately funding a new practice facility, they should take that money and clear some of the dumb contracts they've got on that roster so that Sean Payton can hurry up and get this thing turned around. Well, I, I will tell you this. Um, there's a time and place for everything. Um, evidently, the people in that building aren't as down on the roster as maybe me or you or the media think. Um no matter what it looks like, um, flu-like symptoms, no Taylor Swift. At the end of the day, I've been watching football a long time. And you can count on two fingers if that. When a team starts off one in five, there, there's, you've got to have a certain moxie to weather that storm. They've won three games out of the last four or five or something like that. The defense in the last three weeks um, 
has given up a total of three touchdowns and 18 red zone trips. Something's going on. Whether it's taking time, and I'm not telling you this is a playoff team this year, this is not. But to me, when you sit there and say, well, maybe they should take some of that money and do some of these contracts. Well, first of all, there's a time and a place after the season to evaluate this. I mean, they had a joke of a coach last season in no direction, not knowing who was going to come in and clean this mess up. Russ looked like he was dead out of the water, 20, 30 pounds overweight, and they dropped down a half a million on the field. The point is, is that it goes back to full circle about my take about the Cowboys and the Philly. You want an owner to sit there and show, and a general manager, are we doing everything to make our players in the best position to be successful? It doesn't always work. I'm not saying just because you go spend $10 million on a practice facility or $20 million or a new stadium or whatever, oh, that means we're going to get Lombardis. That means we're going to win. No, but it's a start. It's a start in regards to like, I'm trying to do whatever, especially in the day of analytics and medicine and science. Well, if you get 12 hours of sleep instead of eight, that prolongs your career too. When you're talking about living in a society like that, you want ownership like that instead of basically that sitting there saying, hey, I know we might not mathematically be out of it, but damn it, man, I want to dump some payroll. Why you win like that? You got a guy in the desert. That is an owner of one of the most historic franchises in the National Football League, the Raiders. And he looks like he's lost. And somebody just put him in. He landed in a calculus class in high school when technically they made a mistake on his transmit. He should have been in math of money. That's where Mark Davis is, chopped, head chopped off, listening to the player. Okay, we do right to the 80 mil. You've got owners compared to that, to somebody that is just basically new in the business, such as the Pinner Group, that basically wasn't gift-wrapped the team. So, yeah, you've got other owners, the Donald Sterling, bad owner for the Clippers, used to charge players for Gatorade. Where do they do that at? Can't win that way. And you can't win without an owner. You listen to the Sports Grind. Today's show is being presented by Dos Equis. Get a dose. We are broadcasting here from the Maestro de Bell Tequila Studios. We'll be back. When life sounds too much like this. It's time to consider more of this. Sometimes a little shift is all you need. A dose of perspective. Dos Equis Lager. Get a dose. Enjoy Dos Equis responsibly. Copyright 2021. Imported by Cervezas Mexicanas, White Plains, New York. Maestro Dobel Tequila was born from 11 generations of tequila-making legacy. It is sourced from a single estate in the volcanic lowlands of Jalisco, Mexico, using the finest 100% blue agave. Double distilled and aged in European white oak barrels, Maestro Dobel's commitment to innovation isn't only to discover new ways of distilling and aging, it's about elevating and crafting a superior tequila that is the essence of mastery. Maestro Dobel is the official tequila of the PGA Tour and an official sponsor of the sports grind. Please drink responsibly. It's time to warm up that scoreboard and get ready to bring home the win with Specs. 
Spec says you covered with lower prices on all your favorite fan fuel. From craft beer, rare spirits and world-class wine to chips, dips and gourmet finer foods. And with same-day delivery when you order online or through the app, Specs is your MVP for the biggest score of the game. At Specs, the fun starts here. Here's to you, cheers to savings. Just because the sun is setting earlier doesn't mean the fun stops sooner. Now is the perfect time to get to Specs and stock up on after-summer savings with fresh new releases in every category. Specs has Texas' largest selection of lower-priced wines, craft cocktail ingredients, and beers that'll have you raising a glass to every sunset. The biggest savings of the season are at Specs. The fun starts here. Whether you're looking for a date night at the Dominion or a light meal while shopping on the weekend, stop by Thai Lao Orchid at the Dominion. Just five minutes north of the shopping center, Thai Lao Orchid's Vietnamese options are great for dinner or lunch, serving up staples from curry and noodles to the house special Nam and seafood lovers steamed clay pot. They're open weeknights from 5 p.m. to 8 p.m. and noon till 9 on Saturdays and noon to 8 on Sundays. That's Thai Lao Orchid at the Dominion, official sponsor of the Sports Grind.